Conrad has been to Hessen to see what's going on with the investigations into two of the more famous far-right crimes that Germany has witnessed in the last few years, which was obviously delightful. And it's been raining. There's only one thing for it, lemonade and whiskey. I'm Megan. I'm here in a very wet and horrible Berlin, but that's okay because I'm here with Expreneur Magazine and Conrad Werner. Hello, Conrad. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Happy birthday. Oh, thanks. For last week. Yeah, that's why we're doing this episode a little bit later than usual is because... You were in no fit state to do a podcast. I absolutely was not. Neither the week, the Friday before, which when we usually do them, when I had my wisdom teeth out. Yeah. Did I show you a picture of my face? Yeah, you did. Wow. Uh, Yeah, that was really bad. And then last week was my birthday, so we went to the pub instead. Yeah. So now we're here on a Monday night drinking. Yes. (laughs) But you got me an amazing birthday card. Do you want to explain what was inside the birthday card? Well, I thought I was trying to think of things that you like. And uh, (laughs) and then I remembered uh, you like a young Marcus Zerda. Honestly, this picture, maybe we can, I can take a picture of it and we can attach it to this episode because he is, as you said, in his Elvis years. Yeah. And he sort of turned a chair backwards and has one leg up on the chair that he's then kind of like leaning an elbow on. It's not not alluring. <laughs> let me tell you. He's got like a little you. Elvis quiff as well. He's doing like a quiff. He likes to post things like that on his social media accounts. Whoever is doing his Instagram, <laughs> either it is him himself, which I suspect a lot of it is, <laughs> or the person is a genius, or Marcus Soto's is a genius. I don't know. I it's confusing and there's like dry ice is there like is it, it's like a bit smoky around him oh it god like knows a... yeah it's it's <laughs> um but that i'm afraid i think might be looking at the rundown of what we're going to talk today that may be your last bit of good news buckle up everybody <laughs> and let's have a mega can okay what have you got um, for us I brought because it's shite weather um and i saw these lynchburg lemonades and they're really nice so let's just have one of these brilliant Thank you very much. I needed something sweet and lemony and... <laughs> That's great. Yeah, so cheers. Cheers. <sighs> One more drink. Yeah, get it India. Not like I nearly died on Saturday from my <laughs> 36-year-old hangover. <laughs> That's excellent. That's, yeah, very, that's superb. Very nice. one, okay. one of the best. So yeah. on Saturday, just I think is is uh, worth mentioning, we had the second anniversary of the Hanau attack, uh, where 11 people were killed by a shooter who shot in two shisha bars in Hanau um, before killing his mother and, and himself. And you were saying that there's a parliamentary inquiry going on into in- that. And where's that? Happening. in in Hesse. Yeah, and I yeah, so Hesse is the state where quite a lot of far right attacks yeah, seem to happen. Yeah, what's going on in Hesse? I went a week earlier. I wasn't actually reporting on the Hanau inquiry. I was reporting on the Lübke inquiry, which was also going on in Hesse at the same time. And you might remember Walter Lübke was a conservative politician. Yeah. Who was shot on his porch by a neo-Nazi. Yeah. In July, no, June 2019, uh, a man was convicted, a neo-Nazi was convicted last year, 
and but a lot of questions remain open and these parliamentary inquiries have been set up to answer a few of these questions and in the Lubka's case the main question is how did he manage like who helped him how did he how is he supposed to have done this on his own and the other big question is this is a man who was under observation by the Verfassungsschutz the Mm. domestic intelligence years earlier he'd had several violent crimes in his history also racist violent crimes the big thing is that like a few years before it happened he was he the term they used was abgekühlt they decided that he was no longer worth following and he was no longer a pretty a very serious dangerous neo-nazi so they stopped tracking him and how do they make these decisions well it's like a, that's a whole that's another thing about the inquiry the inquiry has been going on for uh, over over a year already uh, ever since the trial in fact ever since the conviction ended mm-hmm. the, the inquiry started so it's been going for a year already they've already had 23 sessions in the parliament wow. and we're about halfway through it's going to go into 2023 before okay. they come to a conclusion because they're asking every witness you can possibly imagine like the expert witnesses different people that could have known something mm-hmm. and the parliament has the power to invite domestic intelligence agents police officers when on the day that i was there was the prosecutor of the murder trial was there the, the chief prosecutor and he said and then one little bit of news that came out of the day that i was there was that he said that even though a man has been convicted for this murder the investigation is not closed and they are still searching for possible accomplices even though they don't have Didn't we cover this and there was some kind of like the the guy who was prosecuted changed his story or something or was that yeah yeah, no, so I am he, thinking of the yeah. This is yeah. Some white man name and initial, and then he was like Dick. Stefan E. But wasn't there like a Martin or something involved? Uh, there was a uh, there was a Marcus Ha. Mark, I can't. I <laughs> genuinely. So Marcus Ha was a uh, initially also a defendant, and then they yes. Uh, but they only convicted him of like a like a low level weapons possession thing like he, he had the wrong he did he had a, a several weapons but most of them were licensed and then he had one weapon that he didn't have a license for so they got him like they gave him a suspended sentence but the thing is he knew the convicted killer very well and they were very close you know the, the story is that they that um he probably supplied the gun to him so there's a lot of these things haven't been cleared up for example how so, Stefan E got the gun because he didn't have a gun license so he was okay there were stories like and also Stefan E initially said that it was Marcus Ha who shot his his first story was was, was he shot Lipka and then he changed it he said no actually I did it it's true no one really really knows what happened that night there are a lot of people who think that there's no way that Stefan E could have done it on his own and that probably Marcus Howe was at least with him in the, waiting in the car or as a lookout or something but nobody really knows and he wasn't convicted so we don't know well whatever happened he was not convicted of anything serious so but whereas Stefan E was is in prison for life but the inquiry is going into a is into the big question is why, why didn't the Fassenschutz pick him up earlier mm. Because as soon as it happened, as soon as the murder happened and he became like the the main suspect, the fasting should said, oh, hang on a minute, we do have a file on this guy. And then it all kind of, then they, they, they quickly like went into the cellar where they, and they got all these paper files out and they realized what had happened and they handed all that over to the prosecution. They said, okay, oh, actually, because okay. then they kind of realized, oh, we really fucked up. And then the whole story of, of Walter Lübcke mm-hmm. the reason why he became a, a big target for neo-Nazi circles was because 
during the what was became called the refugee crisis in 2015 he was a local like a mayor like a local governor in northern hesse uh, near castle wolfhagen and he had to do a, a town hall meeting because they were moving a lot of mm-hmm. uh, refugees in you know quite quickly there was there was the time when there were a lot of people coming very quickly and these local politicians were really up against it like they mm-hmm. had to they were you know they would literally get a phone call on a Tuesday and said, oh, you've got 5,000 people come in who need accommodation by Friday night, you know? And then they would have to like pick a tower, uh, like a often a sports hall or somewhere just to find yeah. it somewhere to put these people. And then they would do these town hall meetings to explain to the local population yeah. why 500 people are going to move into your village at the yeah. weekend, you know? Yeah. So this he did a lot of these things. And at this one particular meeting, um, a lot of people from the, the, the what was the, the you know, do you remember Pegida? This uh, sort of. Your, you know. I always refer to them as your mates, I think, because you were like reporting on them. I was like, have you been hanging out with Pegida again? Yeah. I do remember Pegida. They were kind of like this pan European kind of yeah racist yeah. things, but kind of probably the ones that tried to intellectualize it in some boring way. I don't know. Yeah, it was a sort of people's movement of racist people. Lovely. And it, it's out of that that the AFD kind of grew out of Pegida. Yes. Although they, yeah. they would adapt, they, they, the AFD became the sort of political Pegida, basically. The political wing of the Pegida. Lovely. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> At this one particular... If, if shit things yeah. could stop having, like, political wings, that would <laughs> <Yeah>. be great. <laughs> so, at this one particular meeting, it was the... They, they were the Kagida, because it was the castle version of it so they were called slightly different they sent a lot of people there to this one meeting and, okay and Walter Lübke was getting heckled a lot by these mm. like really right-wing people there's about four or five hundred people in the hall and it's all on and and at one point he said he said well look uh people who don't agree I'm gonna get the quote wrong but people who don't agree with these principles with the democratic principles of Germany they are welcome to leave the country at any time right he said something like that he said well, like, fair fucks to him right yeah he said he made this declaration and then Marcus Ha and Stefan E were both in the room they were both at that meeting too standing at the back filming Marcus Ha was filming on his phone and he he took that clip and uploaded it to YouTube a couple of days later that became like a huge uh, it just focused yeah. a lot and, of hate on him from the and whole... And you can uh, understand right-wing. what an incendiary remark that is. For but there's people. so much... Yeah, absolutely. There's so much you can... You yeah. know, like you said, you can hear that man's frustration having to deal with this. Look, I, I am of the belief, and I think it's sort of actually backed up with having immigration and, and refugees and having like a relatively open border policy is a good thing. And I understand that if it's your job to go and explain to people on a last minute basis why this is happening while the media are like whipping up a frenzy about it, like that's really hard. Yeah. And you can hear the frustration in his voice. <laughs> you all just fuck off. Like <laughs> yeah. I didn't fucking, co- like none of this is necessarily my, you know, help. Yeah. Um. So... So, but that's fucking terrifying that, yeah, so that someone in- is constantly filming you and then going to upload it and you become this hate figure for trying to do your job in what sounds like a relatively decent way. I don't know. So on the day I was at the the inquiry, his um, press spokesman, so one of his assistants was one of the witnesses and he described he was there that night. He was also, you know, he was on, on the stage and he was like advising him and everything. 
just uh, he was really he described being really moved in that moment and he said like when he came off stage I just really wanted to hug him you know because I thought it was really a powerful thing to say and he and he was talking about this and then he said in the weeks it was his job to field all the hate emails you know he he, he got phone calls people calling and saying mm-hmm. like why did he say that why did he say this so he was like fielding this thing and he said we were just so busy at the time anyway and then I had to write a you know, I had to write a press statement saying that this clip was taken out of context and this is, you know, he, it was part of a longer speech and he was like trying to, yeah, explain the kind of the, the kind of frenzied atmosphere that was around at the time. Anyway, so four years later, Lubka was murdered by a neo-Nazi who was in the room at the time. So that kind of, he, he'd remained a sort of hate figure for these the neo-Nazis and this guy horrible. shot him. And yeah, and then so another one of the other witnesses on the day that I was there was a, a policeman of the of the so-called Staatsschutz. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I didn't know this either until I went to Wiesbaden. But... I'm glad you're going to say this. I was like, I have never heard of the Staatsschutz <laughs> shit. Maybe I shouldn't drink while I'm trying to input my no. <laughs> my bull. <laughs> so <laughs> like, why am I always a bit pissed when I'm trying to learn things? <laughs> so there's a the. Apparently, the police forces have their own little um, units that are for political crimes. So the Verfassungsschutz is the domestic intelligence agency. So they have more powers so they can do surveillance with phones and everything. Mm -hmm. Whereas the Staatsschutz are basically an arm of the police who um, concentrate on, you know, uh, political crimes. And uh, and he, what this guy was like testifying and he and the the one of the MPs asked him, you know, like, were you following Kagida, this group at the time? Were you taking pictures of them? Were you trying to, you know, track down their networks and everything like this? And the guy said, no, why would we, you know? And he said, well, you know, like, look what <laughs> Yeah, he said, like, that would be just too much work. He was, like, saying we, we were really busy and I just, we can't... Busy be... with what <laughs> would be my so... question? Because I feel like I know the answer. <laughs> so that's the kind of other strand of it is, like, what does the Staatsschutz actually do? And then they were then one of the questions that he was asked was, did the Verfassungsschutz ever get in touch with you or did you ever get in touch with the Verfassungsschutz? about Kagida, about these right-wing networks, about Stefan E and Markus Ha. And he said, no, he said, like, normally what would happen is if something happens that sounds, uh, that is bad, and the Verfassungsschutz knows something, they would tell us. But we wouldn't ask them. And so if they didn't tell us, then we wouldn't ever know, you know? There was there was always like one way stream of information. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. yeah, some people found that a very um, unsatisfactory answer. That is an incredibly unsatisfactory answer, um, considering. Oh God, right. So and they're also saying that oh we had to, oh you know at the time we had all these other problems. We were looking for Islamists. We were looking for Kurds. That was exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. That's what you were doing, weren't you, fucking lads? Yeah. No. That, I mean, they said that. They said but that at this the time. Is also, the, like, this the, is, the focus was somewhere else at the time. This is what's so incredibly frustrating because this is not... We don't have, but on in, in terms of scale, now, belatedly, we've recognised that in the new uh, coalition contract where they said, like, right-wing extremism is the biggest threat to German security. But we've already had the whole fucking fiasco of the investigation of the NSU murders where right. Turkish Germans and other like uh, 
people who didn't conform to certain ideas of, of what a German is were being like picked off at random and the investigation insisted on being like no it's gang related yeah because how could it possibly be anything else which is just so appalling and like would investigate the people's families and everything of these innocent like victims not like all victims are I don't really like the term innocent victim no one deserves to be a victim but anyway and then it's like okay so now ages later the same stuff and they're like well we've got too much on our plates we're looking at the right wing ones I'm like they're the ones doing all the killing maybe start with them do they not go to the top of a fucking priority list somewhere what do they got to do yeah I mean this is the this is what is being asked in these inquiries what yeah. is going what is going on with the with anyway so and that's also the same um, that's two horrible crimes you talked about like the killing of Walter Lubke and Hanau and both of these people were known to the Verfassungsschutz beforehand no I don't think the Hanau one Hanau was. one was I just looked at oh, it was he yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sent a whole fucking manifesto being like, contact me oh, or yeah. whatever. And they were like, yeah. ghosting him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's like when I try and talk to the Berliner Senat. Yeah. The Bildungsministerium. So do you want to hear about my second trip? No, because it's. No. Yes, fine. <laughs> so, How's your American? Very much enjoying it. It is good, isn't it? I'm not flagging. I genuinely don't know how people do these things if they're not drinking. <laughs> I don't I know. Either. Like, other other podcasts seem to get by without how? alcohol. Other politics podcasts. Maybe I'm just like anyway. I'm trying not to get too. I'm trying to be balanced, but this is um, frustrating. But yes, sorry. Then I went to Frankfurt the week a week later, and the, for the beginning of a, a new case, a new trial. One of the you mentioned the NSU, and one of the. Um, one of the lawyers who represented the victims' families of the NSU has uh, was sent several threats by email uh, from someone who signed themselves the NSU 2.0. The thing about this was that she she was a, a, a Turkish lawyer and she said, "In my career, I've had a lot of death threats and whatever. I get loads of like weird people writing in, but in this case." This guy knew my daughter's name and my private address, which had been which she she'd see, she'd moved secretly, and this guy knew it and put it in the email. So she was like pretty scared, and she decided in this case I've got to press charges because I need to know mm-hmm. how he mm-hmm. how he found this out because this is all that this is, is about fucking terrifying. So this is all about a plan of like a couple of years ago, and I at the same I time, I vaguely heard about this. Is this mentioned in that Day X podcast? Yeah, it might be. Which, I if mean, anyone wants more Nazi content, um, is really, really good podcast. I think it's New York Times. Anyway, yeah. So at the round about the same time, the a, a a far right network was uncovered in the Frankfurt Police, specifically in this sort of um, uh, they had like WhatsApp group and they're sending anti-Semitic messages to each other. In this, in this they're WhatsApp always group. doing that. Several several police officers were suspended. And there was like, a, you know, uh, an inquiry and everything. But this lawyer said, like, only the police knew this information. How did this guy get this information? You know, anyway, they caught him. They caught him because he was, um, uh, uh, I should say, allegedly, because he denies all this. But they caught him. Um, he, he even denies being right wing. But anyway, he's like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, my God. <laughs> He, um, they caught him because he was on a chess website. This is what the police say. They were found. They found he was chatting on a chess website using similar insults and threats and racist language that he was that was was in these emails. So they searched his house and they did find 
you know, they anyway, they, they, they caught him, right? I feel like Chess didn't need to be dragged into this. <laughs> Fucking hell, lads. Is there nothing you could just... <laughs> well, anyway... This is, the, you know, they did like uh, the, the searches. I mean, they, I, I don't know how computers work or anything, but they did like IP addresses and whatever. They caught him. He lived in Berlin. He's a 54-year-old man living on his own. And they traced these emails to his address. There's like 116 of these um, threats, not just to this lawyer, but to several prominent um, left-wing politicians. <sighs> yeah. Entertainers, writers, Jan Bermerman. If you know who Jan Bimmerman is, the comedian, he's the comedian, oh. kind of left-wing comedian uh, on TV, a satirist. He got a load of emails. He sent. Um, they're all death threats, like what you can you can imagine, what kind of stuff. Uh, but he also sent bomb threats to this very courtroom in which he was now being now he's being tried in, but uh, and a bomb threat to a school that had been named after Walter Lübcke, like a, a school in Walter Lübcke's hometown, which was named after him after after he died. And he sent a bomb threat there too. And, you know, the school had to be evacuated, everything. Like, it's like, nothing was ever found. They didn't find any explosives, it was just threats. But, yeah, like, he, he was obviously, That's, like, spreading terror, I, you know? I, I, I thought... <laughs> he, was, he was deliberately spreading terror around. And, yeah, so his trial started. Now, the thing about this trial is that only he is on trial. No police officer on trial. There were, there, so he's uh, not a police officer. So we still don't no. know the link between like how he got exactly the inf- that sensitive yeah. information from the lawyer. Right. So there are two different explanations for how he got this, inf- this sensitive information. The prosecution says, so the, the state prosecutor said that he pretended to be a policeman and phoned up other police stations just from his landline and said, oh, by the way, from, for this thing I'm doing, I need this address. Mm-hmm. The lawyer and several other politicians and people, other people who have received these threats said, that is not plausible. You can't just pretend to be a policeman and get that kind of information on just with a phone, you know? So it's whether we want to believe the police are incompetent yeah. or unlike have lack security yeah or are systemically and systematically yeah racist so the prosecution said that, that they also did investigations into several police officers so they they've they've found out that uh, this information was accessed on police computers and they interviewed the relevant police officers who use these computers and they said we didn't find enough evidence to prosecute anyone right and obviously for this lawyer and for all the other people who received these threats that is not enough you know they want to know like that 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 the inquiry has to go further there has to be more investigating like uh, and and so that was so you have to imagine i went into this courtroom it's kind of this dingy courtroom in frankfurt where also where stefan ear was convicted last year it's the same this they, they only have one courtroom big enough for big trials in hesse oh, so they just God, use the same so one grim. and it's a sort of 70s style it's a bit kind of dingy because it's very dark in there and it's all kind of plywood paneling it's not <laughs> and so the first day of the trial was just the reading of the charges which took three hours because the prosecutor stood up and read out all 116 offensive emails and messages and the guy was sitting there you know and um had to listen 
And he, as soon as it finished, he was like, let me just say a few things, you know. Oh, he God. got up and he really wanted to talk. And of he said, I've, he I've, I've written a, a statement. And um, his defense lawyer said, like, no, do it tomorrow. We're not doing this now. It's gonna... down, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. It was <laughs> really so like that. I'm sick of listening to you. <laughs> it was. It was like, sit down now. Come on. We, we, this is going to take too long. So the next day we went back and he gave his statement and he gave his explanation. And he said in his explanation, he said, like, I have been used by these corrupt racist police officers as a useful idiot. He used the term useful idiot. They, he, I was, I joined some right wing forums on the dark net last year, you know, a few years ago. And uh, yes, we were discussing politics. And yes, some of the politics was right wing, you know, like he was talking like this was, the, this was he read out a written statement. And, and during the course of this, uh, I got to know, I realized that a lot of the people I was talking to were police officers. And uh, when I, and that they were talking on this dark net forum about this lawyer, this Turkish lawyer who they all hated, and apparently the police officers all hated this lawyer. Anyway, so they, so, and then he says like, one thing led to another. He didn't really talk about whether or not he sent these emails. He's, he's basically claiming these emails were sent by, um, um, the fairies corrupt police officers corrupt racist police officers okay. and they then they arrested him on trumped up charges uh-huh and um yeah so he's kind of slightly in his defense like his his defense strategy seems to be to use the fact that it's not really been explained how he's got this information to as a kind of to like kind of blur okay. the, the things okay. he came in and he stuck two two middle fingers up to the court as well that was the other thing that happened. He's <laughs> still in his handcuffs. And then the next day, he said I, he said he apologised for that. I mean, he's obviously got some fairly severe... Like, I'm I'm not... That, that's not a justification in any way. Oh, Jesus. So that was my that was my other time. That was the other thing I did last week. And that, was in, that was in Frankfurt. Okay, so... Which is just down the road I from Beast I guess we'll Garden. see what happens in his trial. How much, how long is that going to go on? Oh, at least several months. I mean, they're, they're, they're planning till the end of April now, but I, uh, I expect it'll be a bit longer than that. Okay. It just depends because the, 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 the what they call in German the Nebenkläger, so the the plaintiffs who are if you're if you're the victim of a crime, mm-hmm. you can you are represented in court separately by your own lawyers. Mm-hmm. So the prosecution is one team so to speak and then the other team is the victims and their lawyers oh interesting and the Nebenkläger in this case this Turkish lawyer and I think I think they're one of the a lot of linker politicians also got these threats okay, okay. and I think they're represented in court by certain lawyers that's interesting the, yeah is that like a separate pro- yeah because the prosecution has one and then the, the, what will happen is the is Nebenkläger is that a little bit like having a, a criminal trial and a civil trial is that sort just... of in one I don't know I'm not, yeah, I'm not a I lawyer <laughs> yeah that's interesting could be maybe it's something like that yeah, yeah. But, but basically um, you have a right in German court if you're the victim of the crime to have your own lawyer in okay. the trial to, to represent your specific take on it you know yeah, yeah. so we'll see so they, what the and obviously in these cases in these right wing cases the argument the the, 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 the the plaintiffs will also be slightly questioning the prosecution's explanation of these events as well you know whereas the prosecution will just be all about trying to get what can we definitely 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 convict him of 
and that that will obviously mean their interest yeah. is in narrowing it down as much as possible yeah. and not answering this is why we have parliamentary inquiries because yeah. they're supposed to answer the wider on questions for so long and like is there not some way we can marry yeah it just everything and we just keep saying this we just need to overhaul everything with new <laughs> thinking because it just doesn't it I, I don't even know like yeah I oh god right so yeah that was lots of Nazis and again the questioning of the political leanings of the forces that are supposed to protect us from the Nazis yes and why they seem to do continually such a shockingly poor job uh, when it comes to investigating far right crimes or preventing far right crimes or not being far right I think I think that things have changed a little bit in the last few years because I think there are definitely because of all these news stories yeah and uh, because of these murders that have happened I think now you know even Zehofer when he was interior minister was saying oh we're going to recruit more and more you know, special anti-right-wing task forces. And now we have a new interior minister, Nancy Faeser. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, she is someone who had a reputation for, you know, taking this seriously already. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I, I think it's probably like it's not something that the politicians haven't noticed and that, uh, okay. that, that something has to happen. But, so some, I... but you know, I, the government of Hesse, for example, he kind of, the, 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 he's called Volker Bouffier. I know, I've heard of him. I love <laughs> the state pre- so much. State Premier of Hesse, who was actually in the news to come back to the beginning with Hanau, he kind of made this statement, you know, saying we have to fight racism wherever we see it. He basically cleared his whole, his whole uh, police force after you know a few years ago when this uh this whatsapp group came out when they said that all these nazis said like oh we did the investigation we got a few rid of a few bad apples oh, it's all that. fine now you know and we and uh yeah. and you could feel that he's from the cdu and you could feel that a little bit in the parliamentary inquiry in Wiesbaden. the cdu was trying to narrow down yeah the scope of the inquiry whereas the linker ones were much more like um it- we have to we have to we have to root them, you know, we have to get into the fashion shots and Yeah, and it is like a conversational shift as well. It's not like this idea of, in addition to actually investigating crimes that have happened and, and, and like perpetrators of like racist stuff, it's also about investigating our whole structures and going, how can we all be more like anti-racist? Does our police force, it's not just being like, oh, we don't have active racists within the police it's like is our police force anti-racist are we yeah and that is a bit of a conversational change that i think has happened and is becoming more and more to the forefront so hopefully we will see that but i mean germany just does everything so monumentally slowly well also it's the the politicians they're, the ones that are in power anyway, their instinct is always to defend the police. I mean, that's that because they, because they feel like, oh, we have to, yeah. you know, we, we can't, they, they can't, the police can't be besmirched. We have to like, uh, we have to, we have to 
yes, we know root out corruption, root out the bad apples and everything, but we can't um, systematically put, as they say, put the whole of the police under suspicion. You know, there's a sort of... So that, I think that is always like a problem, I think, with these things because um, that, that's, their, that's their instinct. That's what they feel like they have to do as, as government representatives, you know. And I think yeah. that is sort of and problematic. It, that's thing, quite... like, it's not even... Yes, some individuals do need to be like held accountable for their actions but it's also just about like we should all be getting more comfortable particularly as white people in positions of authority with being critiqued and criticized and yeah. having these difficult conversations because well like, i think it's, that's it's literally why... costing like we might be uncomfortable or it might cost like reputation or we might have to change some things but it's like the lack of that is costing people's lives like yeah it, it, it's disgusting that yeah. we would sit there and like and, oh we and... don't want to besmirch or like put the police under suspicion and it's like well fuck you i know and that's why i think it's actually it's not our remit but i think what sadiq khan did in london was actually really good because he because chrissy de dick the um the, the the head of the metropolitan police she said i presented a you know a plan to to change whatever you know to to, to <coughs> these people out and sadiq khan said i looked at the plan it's not good enough you're going to have to resign now. And I think that is uh, that is quite a powerful thing for someone in power to do because it's yes. not that would not normally happen. And I think that could really happen. That, in I general. am ignoring UK <laughs> politics entirely because... Because they had the same scandal. They had almost the same kind of scandal there with like, you know, racist, sexist police uh, networks. Yeah. And yeah. uh, it's kind of like, I think that's actually, it's quite surprising because he could have done it a few years ago, but he, d he did it, you know, and that's like a, yeah. a thing that happened. And like... You know, think about, like, you could have the possibility of making the police, like, just actually do what they're supposed to do and be, like, really cool and sexy and, you know, everyone would want to be in the police. Even, like, all the lefties, they'd be like, yeah. Like, all my super woke kids would be like, I want to join the police because I want to, you know, yeah. as opposed to just being like, oh, they're quite shit and racist, so no one good's going to go and join them. Hmm. Ugh, okay. Well. A different world is possible. Well, exactly. I mean, I think it is. I mean, either reform the police so they're going to have to make megas like 20% but keep the prices the same for the <laughs> sake of all of our sanities in Germany. I don't know. Do we want to have any more discussions? <laughs> We've been going on for quite a while now. We have been. Would you like to... Would... I'd like to hear about one other thing that you mentioned okay. on another trip, which it was the same trip to Hesse, but you didn't have to necessarily write about nazis exactly where did you go at the goethe's house tell me about goethe's house because <laughs> i went to goethe's house last year in weimar yeah this is a different house in frankfurt where he was born mm -hmm. where he was allegedly born yeah so what happened was you go into this house and it's all like looks really old-fashioned and fancy they always oh, really look really house and you go through all the different rooms you go like you see your sister's you know you see your sister's bedroom you see his like where his dad's library is uh the kitchen uh with the water pump i was quite like the water but they had a water pump inside the kitchen i thought that was mm. pretty cool and then um and then you go to the top floor and he said oh by the way this house was bombed in the war and we had to rebuild it. <laughs> I thought it's not a real house then, is it? But it's apparently not. what they did was they... Uh, Go they... to this house of lies. <laughs> so they had it all, but they, um, they, the, all the stuff that was in the house was original because they'd rescued it. They'd like kept it, they moved so it out. So it wasn't bombed. No, it wasn't all burnt down. So they, the books in the library, for example, were all okay. originally Goethe's dad's books. 
he had a I saw his, that is quite cool and you could look at his books and his I, his, his mum's um, she had like a her favourite drink was a hot chocolate and she had a, a tea set which was especially for hot chocolate that's nice <laughs> it had like lids on because uh, apparently if you don't have a lid on the cup then the skin forms there's a little oh, notice oh yes yes so yes so yes. a hot chocolate cup is slightly different okay. from a teacup because okay. <laughs> it's got a lid that's nice. Yeah, it was a nice I bit like, of porcelain. I like that detail. I, unfo- <laughs> I enjoyed going to Weimar and seeing Schiller's house and Goethe's house. Yeah. Uh, Schiller, definitely the sexier of the two. I well, would. he died much younger. Died in, he was only about 30 when he died, Schiller. Was he? That's, yeah. Oh, yeah, he was quite sick, wasn't he? Um, Goethe was like 80. Yeah, I think generally time. Schiller, though, was a bit more like revolution, you know, would have been yeah, a bit I mean, cooler. The, yeah. This is, I went there for a whole, like, course fast for German. They were all talking about Schiller and Goethe, and I was like, who's the, you know. Yeah. But also be sceptical, because it's Germany, so all might not be as it seems, and they may have lied to you because of something bad that happened to do with National Socialism, which means what you're looking at is actually a sham. That is your takeaway for today. On that note... (laughs) Oh, that note. Anyway, no, I think hopefully things are changing. You think it's, it's fine. We'll just have to see, I suppose. Yeah. I say- hope everyone is fine. <laughs> and wear your rain boots because it is pishing it down out there. Yeah. Buy a brolly. Mm. A knurps. Yeah. Buy a knurps. What, What's a knurps? It's what Germans call brollies. I've never heard that. It's a company that makes brollies and, uh, and now people... Well, my granny, she used to call all umbrellas a knurps. It's I like love a, that. I'm going to say knurps from now on. It's one of those small umbrellas that you can put in a bag that fold, you know, telescopes so you can... It's small. Yeah, it's the first like one stick. I bought of those, and it was obviously like very German, but I had like no control over my knurps. Yeah. And I remember being like a young kind of person like working and I was like pouring with rain and I couldn't get it to control. And like this whole busload of Germans just looking at me like, who is this foreigner who does not know, who has no command over her knurps? Like, oh. She has no command over her knurps. Yeah. And then, and then it suddenly pops and explodes in your hand. Oh, it went then. everywhere. Oh, it was a disaster. An absolute fucking disaster. I was like, oh. Anyway, on anyway, that note. Thanks very much. Yeah, thank you, I think, for all of that. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm glad I got it off my chest. Yeah. All right. Have a good week, everybody. Yeah. And and, uh, bis gleich. Bis demnächst. Tschüss. Tschüss. That was a very German ending. (laughs) 